Welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie Pastor coming to you from our studios in northwest Sydney on a really, really hot day. And I think I can call the studio today COVID and Flu Central. <laughs> That's it, mate. We're both crook. Hunty's got the flu and I'm on the back uh, end. I might have COVID too, who knows? I reckon you have. Well, I didn't test positive on a test, but I've got all the COVID symptoms. And you did. We went up. We went up to what's called a South Queensland big camp. It's a big convention of all the Adventists in South Queensland. Up to eight thousand people there. Hunty and I went up to do our a couple of radio shows up there. If you listen to us regularly, you would have heard us. Well, I caught COVID up there. Hunty was in the car with me for twenty odd hours. Yes, no, more, more, 24, 24, 25 for, hours. Each way, well, thirty hours all up. And I was infected, and he didn't get yes. it, but we think he did. Yes. But it's a dust. But I'm, but I'm vaccinated, so I haven't got it the same yeah, as you. Yeah. So. It, it, mm. Yeah. I, I must admit, I think the jab might work, actually. Ooh, there you go. Because I'm not, and I went down. Big call there, listeners. <laughs> it's a dastardly thing. It is. It is. You know, it came on so fast, and, and what's this, the second or the third time I've had it, I can't remember. It came on so fast, in three hours I went from being well to really, really sick. Yep. And then my wife got it. Yep. But my son never did. Yeah, well done to nor, him. Nor did the dog. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm not testing positive now, so I'm on the back end of it. But you know what COVID does? And I suppose it's gone out of our consciousness because no one takes any notice anymore. But it makes you tired, honey. It does. I slept yesterday afternoon for three hours. Well, I was sleeping for... 10, 12 hours a night, and then two, three, four hours a day. Wow. <laughs> and not good sleep, though. You no. Never, you, don't, you don't feel great No, not it. good sleep. No. Look, welcome to the program yeah, anyway. welcome, listeners. You listen to us on radio. We can't give you COVID. If Hunter's got the flu, he can't give you the flu. You're safe as. And Lloyd and I opposite ends of the studio today, just in case. Well, we, we, we always Well, are. that's opposite ends of the studio. <laughs> <laughs> um... I'm glad you're here, and I'm, I'm praying God will bless us. Pray that the tech always, will stay up. Yes. It's always a bit of a worry Tears. for us Tears. when you're live on radio. And I think, Hunty, to start the day, I might ask you, because this is a program about Jesus, it's mm. about his mm. love, and it's about his mercy and his mm. grace and what he offers you. So I'm going to ask you, Hunty, if you wouldn't mind, mate. Sure. Please pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for... This beautiful day and this opportunity to lift you high in our community. Lord, I want to lift up firstly my mate and my pastor, Lloyd, as uh, he presents you to our listeners this afternoon and in Bible study and an interview with, um, with Pastor Robbie and others. I pray, Lord, that today's program will be a great blessing to all those that listen to it. But Lord, especially right now, I pray you bless our listeners. Lord, please grant their heart's desires. Please um, be present. To them, those who are seeking you, Lord, please allow them to find you. So, Lord, thanks again for this uh, great day, and thank you for this radio program. And um, thank you for listening to my prayer in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Hunty. Uh, this day in history, Tuesday, October 3. Well, what have you got? 276th day of the year. Christmas is upon us. Have you put your Christmas tree up? <laughs> Not yet. Do you have a Christmas tree? I do. Yeah, so do I. Will it go up? Depends how lazy I feel. Mine's going up. No, I don't guarantee mine. <laughs> uh, this day, October 3, 1789, George Washington proclaims Thursday, November 26, a Thanksgiving Day. But it wasn't the end of it, because in 1863, some 70 years later, the last Thursday in November is declared a Thanksgiving Day by US President... 
I know. Abraham Lincoln. Oh, Lincoln. Cool. Uh, I like Thanksgiving. It's a pretty cool idea because what happens is Americans stop once a year to thank God for all his blessings. Get together, have a big meal. A lot of people have turkey, don't like turkey. Not a big turkey eater, hunty. I mm-hmm. had a little taste of it not long ago. My wife eats it and very dry. Uh, not for me. I can see why they put gravy. Actually, I don't pretty much like eating anything that's dead. I'm not a fanatic. <laughs> I'm not a fanatic vegetarian or vegan. I'm not one of them. In fact, I grew up on a beef farm, but I don't like eating dead food. Um, I stick to the vegetarian stuff mm-hmm. generally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did spend a few years, well, one year in America studying, and I did enjoy at one of my friend's place Thanksgiving and I think we should um, legislate it in Australia. <laughs> what do you reckon? No, I don't like the other country's traditions. I don't want Halloween here. I don't want them. No, I'm against it. Well, I think there's a fair difference between Halloween, which is a satanic <laughs> ritual, and, and, and um, no, uh, Thanksgiving. Keep the American traditions to America. Well, oh, I'm thankful. I should come upon you. I thank the Lord for the good <laughs> things he do, so I, I'm, I vote for it. What do you reckon, listeners? Do you vote? <laughs> you for Thanksgiving or not? Uh, 1960, this day, October 3, Andy Griffin show, first televised. Never saw it ever once in my life, but I know it's pretty funny and quite famous. 1961, Dick Van Dyke show first aired never seen that either is dick van dyke famous uh, hollywood comedian is he still alive hunty or is he i wouldn't imagine so but i used to watch him when he was a kid on black and white telly did you yeah i wasn't allowed to watch that stuff yeah. in fact i wasn't allowed to watch anything as a kid other than play school on sesame street mm. uh, 1990 is a big day october 3 the german democratic republic is abolished and becomes part of the federal republic of germany the event is afterwards celebrated as german unity day happy Almost, I could say, Independence Day, Germany. Yeah, true. You know what brought that about? What's that? You don't know? Oh, was it um, the meeting between the US President and Putin? No. No. And, um, Putin. Not Putin. Putin. The guy with the scar on his head. <laughs> Gorbachev. Gorbachev, thank you. No, no. Not far away, though. It was the fall of the Berlin Wall. Right. Um, Which was Reagan and Gorbachev's idea? was the German people's idea, I oh, think, good. in the end. Very good. Yeah. Uh, 1996, OJ Simpson not guilty of murdering his what wife. What a joke. I wouldn't say that on radio. I'm happy to. They got him in the end. No. Do you know how they got him in the end? No, they didn't. Once he was released, he went to Vegas and he stole back all of his football trophies that, and they put him away off the theft. No, they didn't get him for that. He got done on that legitimately. You can't do what he did. And he went to jail for that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's in jail anyway. But they never, so. went, they never got him because of that. No. And, and the way the, the law works, if, if, if it says he's innocent, he's innocent. And I think... We can have our views privately, but I think we've really just got to live. I just publicised mine. <laughs> mm. Be careful on radio, son. True, true, true. Uh, today is National Boyfriend Day. Girls, if you've got a boyfriend, be thankful. I thought this was good for you, Hunty. It's National Techie Day. Oh, cool. Yeah, and Hunty's a real I'll rigid feel, I'll feel the love. <laughs> well, he's one of the best techies in the world, in my view. Oh, I love and, you, mate. No, it's true. You, you, there's not many can do what you do. I mean, you're in a ministry with me. You, uh, just letting our listeners know again, when we do stuff for television, this guy is video, camera, sound, lighting, stage, anything and everything he does. There's not many people can do it. So happy Techie Day, Hunty. Thanks, mate. It's also Virus Appreciation Day. Apparently not every virus is bad. It's National Fruit at Work Day. I've never seen you bring a piece of fruit. <laughs> fruit to work hunty so maybe that's something to do walk your dog week breast cancer awareness month i think all of us have lost 
people mm. we love from breast yeah, we cancer, have. aren't yep, they? Yeah, very sad. Yeah, and and so we rem- and if you're fighting breast cancer today, our hearts go mm. out to you. Hey, Hunty, mm. did you know that breast cancer is not a, only a women thing; it's a men thing. I did too? not know that. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's also Black Cat Awareness Month, and I don't know what that means. I don't know who makes these things up, to be honest. Um, births, 1921. Ray Lindwell died in 1996. You know who he is? No. That's because you're not a sports tragic, so be careful today. Don't Andrew go to Hunt. sports today, mate. You're in be, trouble. Well, we'll see. We'll I, see. I challenge you to do it. Oh, mate. Okay, listeners, listen to this. That's right, the Mighty Panthers cleaned up the Broncos on the weekend. What a glorious, glorious football match it was. New South Wales, what legends you all are. Bring it on next year. We are the Premiers. And there you go, Lloyd. It's a beautiful day to live in New South Wales. (laughs) He's speechless. I'm just waiting for this dribble to stop because I'm going to ask you if you... You're, you're a fan of the Panthers, oh, are you? I'm a fan of football. Ah, so you're a rugby league supporter? I like rugby league. How many men in a rugby league team? Yeah, talk about NRL, NRL State of Origin, oh, or regular premiership? They're all the same. No. NRL. Okay, NRL, there's uh, 13 players. No. There's 22 for a State of Origin on the, on the squad. How many in the 16, 17? Who's the, captain, who's the captain of Penrith? Who's the captain of Penrith? I forget his but, name. But, yeah, but you're a big rugby league fan. All right, let me ask you a question. When did football start in New South Wales? Uh, you would uh, There'd be a lot of people who argue that football hasn't yet started in New South Wales because it's been sent back into the dark ages. I'll let you by know, the, mate. By 1907. The, by the Queensland state. 1907. By the Queensland state of origin. Thirteen team. players on a team on the field. No, that's yes, not. That's not what I asked. I asked how many on the team. I asked who. You're a Penrith supporter. Who's your captain? How many times have the Broncos won the Premier? Six. And how many times have the Penrith Panthers won it? Three. Five. 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 So we're in front of them. I'm not a Penrith supporter. Actually, truth is, truth is. Do you know how many times Queensland won since it started? Only six times. Queensland won what? The NRL. Broncos have only been in the NRL since the 80s, mate. They're the most prolific winning team since they come in Well, the competition didn't start until the 1990s, so I don't know what you're getting your information from. The competition started in 1907. That was football in New South Wales. It wasn't a national competition until the 1990s. The competition was the New South Wales Rugby League, then morphed into the NRL. (laughs) As it morphed into the NRL, new teams joined it. We're looking at Newcastle. We're looking at Brisbane. We're looking at Townsville. We're looking at the Gold Coast. Titans, you want to keep talking? I would like to just play some more of my favourite national anthem. <laughs> this is a guy who wouldn't know Penrith if he fell over the top of them. Nathan you, Cleary, what all, a legend. All, all you Mighty Panthers, Nathan Cleary, all, you guys rule. All you Penrith fans out there, Hunty is a fair weather supporter <laughs> who jumps on the bandwagon for no oh, other I reason. Live, oh, I live in that part of the part of. Sydney. But I'll tell you this much. Actually, you don't. You live in Parramatta. Oh, you might. I'm closer to Penrith I, than I am to Parramatta. I, I, I live in Parramatta Territory. And I wouldn't... I'm going to have to check where you live and and who you fall (laughs) under. Um, I actually, truth of the matter, is gave up rugby league about 2010. So it's more than 10 years ago, 13 years ago. I've not watched a rugby league match in 13 years. Yeah, I can testify to that. And the reason I gave it up was because I took it too seriously. I'm a Queensland boy. You've got to go up there and see it where people breathe it, they inhale it. It's life. It's everything. And so 
come a time in my life where I thought this isn't how it should be. You shouldn't have a game dictating whether you, you're in a good mood or a bad mood. Or, so I gave it up. Um, do I still feel it? Yeah, don't like it when I have to listen to Hunty prattle on about a team he knows nothing about, but I put up with it in good good grace. Um, Ray Lindwell was Australian cricket captain. He was born this day in 1921, one of the great players. What about Neil Fraser? How about time to move on? I've dragged this segment into the red. Uh, we're going to keep going <laughs> now. Yep. Neil Fraser, born 1933. He was a famous Aussie... Um, do you know Hunty? No, I don't. See, he's he's a who's he's, Neil Fraser. He's a famous Australian tennis player, Davis tennis. Cup mm. captain. I like tennis. 1941. This guy's born Chubby Checker. Don't know much about him. Good singer. Don't know much about him. Uh, 1941. John Elliott. He was a famous Aussie uh, businessman. Had some great ideas of bringing water down into the middle of Australia, making us a food bowl of the world. Should have listened to him. He died in 2021. Mm. This is his birthday. This guy, I think you will know, 1954 he was born, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I know the name. Yeah, a singer. I don't know a whole lot about him. Mm. Died in a helicopter crash but pretty ha- in 1990, but pretty famous in, in, in America. Fred Couples, famous American golfer, 1959. And this one, 1969, I think you'll know. I don't know much about it. Gwen Stefani. Oh, lovely singer. Another singer. Some good songs. And deaths, not many. It was a good year for a good day for deaths. Uh, Janet Lee. Don't know. Born in 1927, really famous Hollywood actress. She acted in a movie called Psycho, which I've never seen. Alfred Hitchcock. Does Love that, Alfred Hitchcock. Um, 2005, Ronnie Barker died. Oh, um, he's so funny. I don't like him. Oh, I, I, I found him crude and rude oh, and vulgar. I didn't know that. But... <laughs> I thought he was one of the clean British comics, but I guess not, huh? Ah, oh, he might have been. He was born in 1929, died this day in 2005. 2006, Peter Norman. This guy's got an interesting story. Born in 1942, was in the Olympic Games 1968 when two great black American athletes won and lifted their fists in the air, uh, uh, crying out for freedom. He actually supported them. He, was, he came third. That's right. And now I know you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He copped it for that. He An did. Australian athlete. Never picked in the Australian Olympic team again. Very, very sad. And yet really a, a great Aussie hero. And finally, I know we're over time. That's all right. Word for today. <laughs> Papadum. Oh, is that the Indian snack? You know that because I sent you the stuff. No, you didn't send it to me. Uh, you're very smart then. I did. I did today accidentally. Papadum. A light... Flatbread yep. from South Asia, usually made of lentil flour and yep. often topped with chutney or various dips or sauces. Love them. Love them. Really? Papa Dum's a yum. Really, really good for you, apparently. Oh, really? That's good to know. Yeah, yeah, it is for us. Yeah. So, in a sentence, Hunty could do to eat a lot more Papa Dum and a lot less of those cream buns. I don't eat cream buns ever. You've never seen me eat a cream bun. That's a, that's my statement. I'm using it only as illustrative. I'm, only, I'm, I'm using it only as an illustration, illustrative. Who we got next? What's the video I'm playing um, next? <laughs> excuse me, I got a bit of a cough. Something about how old gonna, is the earth? I'm going to cough a little bit right, today, you, but yes. I'm a, I'm allowed to do that. Hit your I, cough button. <laughs> I can't. It's not working, mate. Watch this. Yep. Not, oh, that's that's not a good sign. It's not working. Does it, I'll does, fit it for you. Does that mean I'm working? Yeah, I'm going to reset it for you um, before we get into the next segment. That's good because yes. I'm coughing. Hey, okay, yeah. this is a good little segment. I think you'll enjoy it. I did. Fire away and I'll cough. How old is the Earth? The historical record actually tells us. Yep. 
tells us that God created everything in six days. It tells us that uh, Adam was 130 years old when his son Seth was born, and Seth was 105 when his son Enos was born, and they're all the way down to Noah, and it says in the 600th year of Noah's life, the flood took place, and you'll discover that the flood occurred 1,656 years after the creation. And then you can follow on and discover that Abraham was born about 2,000 years after the creation. From Abraham to Jesus is about 2,000 years. And from the time of Jesus to the present day is about 2,000 years. Mm. So if you add those up, according to the Bible, and this is not my idea, Mm. here we are about 6,000 years after the creation. Mm -hmm. Now that's a bombshell. songs we sing at church pretty regularly i've loved it since the first time i heard it as a boy it's it's a it's a contemporary song but it's an old song isn't it hunty it I, is. I don't think we've had it for a long time hey let's rip through the news yeah, okay. because you prattled I've on taking three minutes off your news time as yeah it is. you prattled on so much about that was Penrith. that was good times about penrith yeah i wonder whether our what listeners, a beautiful weekend i wonder whether our listeners have picked up yet that i don't like penrith <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love I love Penrith the town. Like half the Brisbane um, Broncos I, team, they were born in New I, South Wales and I, flocked off to the border. I love the town. I love the people. 
<laughs> it is just as well, and thank the Lord that I don't watch this stuff anymore. <laughs> uninsurable towns. That's sad. Some of the towns in Australia are so uninsurable because of fire yep. and flood yep. and other disasters that people go into them, buy houses, build houses, and can't insure them. Terrible. And I think it's getting worse. It is. I mean, tomorrow I've got to take a few hours to go out to the farm to make sure that my firefighting capability yep. is up. up speed. Yep. Because right now it's as dry as chip. chips. Hunty, we did admit what we did not long ago out there. Did didn't we admit we? that? Yeah, we did. My fault. I'll, I'll take responsibility okay. because it's my farm. But together we managed to light a fire that had uh, two fire engines. Was it two? <laughs> How many appliances? Three or four? Four or four or five in the end of the day. A helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Would have been how many firefighters? 30. A dozen. Oh, yeah, two, yeah. A lot out there. We yep. caused real consternation out there. <laughs> um, but I live in a place, Hunty, that you can't insure. That's right. You can't insure for flood and you That's can't right. insure for fly. That's fire. right. I can build a house, which which I might have to do. I don't want to. I'm trying to sell that place. But I could buy, I could build a house out there up on my top block. I still can't insure it for flood. And I can't imagine a flood ever getting up there. Mm. But you can't mm. because it's uninsurable. Wow. And to me, it just shows where we are in the world now where you've got places you live and there's more and more of them. In this article in the newspaper, um, th- there was... There was a map, and it was pretty scary, of places in Australia that you no longer can insure because of the natural disasters that are coming, big and fast. And I think, I don't know how you feel, Hunty, about this fire season, but I've got a, a real sense of foreboding about yes. what's coming to yeah, Australia. me too. Uh, the new Apple iCar, are you going to buy one? I don't think I'll ever be able to afford one. 200 plus thousand, is that yeah, right? 200 plus. How do they justify that? Goodness knows. Would it be a good car? Well, Apple doesn't make junk products, so pretty big car. Do you know much about it? I've done some reading. Um, Elon Musk um, is a legend, and he said, because Apple's trying to keep this under wraps, mm. he said, Apple, keep it under wraps. Well, they've hired a 1,000 engineers. How do you hide that? Well, I suppose you don't. You don't. Is it, is it true that the car will cost in excess north of 200000 They're predicting it'll cost the same as the, the Tesla, the SUV Tesla, which is 150k US. <laughs> well, that would be... That's well over... Oh, sorry, 150k Australian, which is... Hmm. You know. Well, that's well over. I was well going to say, if it was US, it'd be well over 200. They're saying 200,000 in this article. Yeah. Is, it, is anything we know about it, or is it under wraps so oh, tight look, we haven't uh, got a clue? Look, the pundits are suggesting it'll be integrated with your phone and your watch. And well, that's a given, It'll isn't drive it? itself. And Actually, I was supposed to get a Apple Watch, Hunty. Yes. And for I, your birthday. It's I still heard coming. You, it's still you, coming, you, apparently. You were responsible to get that. And I was for a while, and then it was lifted from me, but I'm in the process of tracking it down for you, mate. Yeah, can mm. you can you take that over again, please? You know it. Um, and what about these passwords? There, oh. there, there, there seems to be problems with passwords, yes. and the problem is that too many of us are picking the same password. Look, let me tell you, yes, that is a problem. But do you remember when we all started on the internet, we were asked to use our special word, and that was our passcode. <laughs> and then the IT admin said, we need better security. So they asked us all for our special word plus a number. So together, we all carefully thought and decided to add one to the end of our special word. Then the cybersecurity gurus decided we were still very vulnerable. That's a mistake, isn't it? So they demanded that we add to our special word and the number one a special character. Can I guess what it is? Can I guess what it is? No, wait. And on mass, we looked over all these new symbols and Egyptian hieroglyphs, and guess what we all chose? The percentage or the The exclamation exclamation mark. One or the other. (laughs) Yep. So I can imagine there's a bunch of you now running to your computers to change your passwords. But here, this is the fact. If your password's been found once, it's completely insecure. Change all your passwords immediately. 
if your password is numbers only, like your phone number or your street address or your zip code, it's hackable in three seconds. So do not have a numbers only password. Okay. If your password is under 12 characters long, so 11 characters long and doesn't have upper lowercase special You're scaring me, bro. You're scaring me. Your password can be Let, cracked. Let's bring this to an end, this segment in now. In two days if someone's to, to hit you. So here's the deal. Use two-factor security so they get a text to your phone with a code. Dual-factor security takes care of it. So there you go. I'll cut myself short with No, that. no, I, I didn't mind. No. I'm just joking, actually. <laughs> um, there are a lot of people like me, though, who don't care too much about passwords. Other than my bank passwords, I don't care. That's right. Because it doesn't matter. I've got nothing they want. Unless yeah, they identity want theft is a pretty horrible thing to have done to you. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to steal someone's identity by breaking their, into their Facebook, are you? As soon as you have enough ID to get a credit card from a bank, then you can steal someone's and make their life quite painful. Okay. If I can get a credit card in your name and have some fun with it, you'll pay a Should price. Should I change my passcode regularly? Not if it's over 12 characters and no one's got it. I don't know anyone who's got a password over 12 characters. Most of mine are over 12 characters. Yeah, but I, other than you, and you, you know, it is it is World Techie Day, so... If you use a phrase like, you know, the black dog jumped, and then you put a number on it, no one's guessing that in a hurry. <laughs> the black dog jumped. Yeah, or the white car, you know, the white car ran out of fuel. Just pick a sentence yourself and add some hieroglyphs to the start in the middle of it, and then it's your code. You can use it all over the place. Just make sure you vary it a little bit so it's not all the same. I, I remember watching... I'm a great YouTuber. I like to watch YouTube's shorts. What's that show, oh, Seinfeld, <laughs> where where Kramer guessed George's password? Do you remember oh, that? No, what was it? One, two, three, four, five, six? No, it was a chocolate. Okay. It, it was a chocolate. <laughs> but it is amazing how smart people with good computer programs can break passwords. And I, I, I suppose the lesson there is be careful. If you want to know what an unbreakable password is, according to the smartest computer in the world, a 22-digit password can't be cracked. Mm, okay. Mm. Well, there you go. There you go, indeed. We look at the news, unsurable towns, new Apple iCars, uh, passwords. It's a troubled world. It's an advancing world. And things are headed north. I think we're going to see Jesus come soon. This is Ben Shapiro and William Lang Craig talking about Jesus. I found it very interesting. Check out this clip of William Lane Craig telling Ben Shapiro who is Jesus. What is the proof that Jesus was who he says he is in, in the gospel? The Jesus tomb was discovered empty on the first day of the week by a group of his female followers. Secondly would be that various individuals and groups of people then witnessed appearances of Jesus alive. And finally, number three would be that the original disciple suddenly and sincerely came to believe that God had raised Jesus from the dead, despite having every predisposition to the contrary. William Lane Craig did an incredible job explaining who Jesus is and that he is ultimately on the throne.
amazing grace there's nothing more powerful nothing more beautiful in the world than that and if you've never experienced it i suggest you have a look at jesus christ go and read the gospels matthew mark luke john what one would you start in hunty ah uh, me oh goodness yeah um, probably re- that noise was <laughs> that's been grabbing the microphone yeah oh look he wasn't expecting probably that. matthew actually is there a reason for the that eyewitness account okay i'd go mark was it a night was he an eyewitness or a scribe um, they reckon Mark was listening to Peter, who was an eyewitness. Yeah, that's why I chose Matthew. And it's only 16 chapters. It's short. It's succinct. It's action-packed. You know, I would, have picked, I would have picked Mark two weeks ago until it, I learned that he was not an eyewitness. It, well, as I said, he got it from Peter, who was an eyewitness. That's so as good as... So um, Mark's your favourite? Only be- no, no, no. John is actually, <laughs> Very but good. I but I choose Mark because it's short and action packed, right? And I think that's important. That's when important you're, when you're first getting into the gospel. I hear you. Matthew is a beautiful, beautiful um, book. Good, good. They, they all are. Luke yep. written by a doctor. They, uh, Matthew and John are are um, disciples and eyewitnesses, but probably the first one written was Mark, and they use Mark. All of the um, Matthew and John and Luke used Mark. He was like the one they all went to and got elements of the story mm, from. Mm. And you can see that as you look at the structures. Anyway, Harold Harker, you there, mate? Have we got him online, Hunty? Harold. 
Yes. Yeah, good. What, what's good your, to be back with you, Lloyd. You too. What's your favourite gospel? Everyone's got a different one. I like John because it goes into the detail of who Jesus was. He was divine and human. Did you know that John is probably the oldest of all the Gospels? I know that. I like Mark because it's short and sharp. Yeah. John tells me a lot more detail. You and me uh, have some similarities there. True that John wrote the book of uh, John possibly after he wrote the book of Revelation or not? Yeah, John John did. Yeah, it's it's hard to to get an exact timing on when these books were written. Anyway, we're going to look at a lady today. A lady. Good on you, Harold. We're going to look at a woman, which is unusual in the Reformation, isn't it? Well, the Reformation, you rarely have a woman who's done a great leadership role, but we've got one today. Her name is. Now, you tell me if I say this right. Is it Katerina Zell? That's right. So it is Katerina, not Katharina. Katerina. yes. Where and when was Katerina born? Well, she was born in Strasbourg in 1498. That's just 10 or so years after Luther was born. Okay, so you say born in Strasbourg, that's what, Austria? Uh, Strasbourg is on the German-French area. Just as well we ask that, Strasbourg. Was it a Protestant area she was born into, Catholic area, do we know? Uh, no, we don't know too much, but she lived in Strasbourg all her life, so she was born there, and she was a great person from there. So this is proof that you don't have to shift around to do great things for God. He'll use you wherever you are. Um, what kind of family did she come from? Well, the family were, was Jacob and Elizabeth, Gerster, and they came from the better working class. So they were well up, but they weren't in the hierarchy. So she was, she's probably doing all right in life as a kid. Was she well-educated? Yeah, well, there were 10 kids in the family, and the parents wanted to have them all educated, and they believed in it. Yeah, 10 kids. There's no internet in those days, Harold. Uh, so she's growing up. She meets a young man by the name of Matthew Zell. Can you tell us about him a bit? Do we know much about him? Matthew Zell was another leader. He followed uh, Luther. And uh, he was another reformer, not as well known as the others, but he became the leader of, of the cathedral in Strasbourg. And so she, he would be teaching the classes there and preaching in the cathedral. And Matthew and Katerina got to know each other and fell in love. Yeah, well, you know, she was just 20 when he became the leader there. And within a couple of years, here they are, they get married, the two of them. In 1523. In fact, they were married by a great uh, Protestant leader, Martin Brusser. Yeah. And so they were well known. Okay, so she's married. Um, did this guy, Martin, her husband, did he have a great influence on her and her beliefs? Oh, for sure. Because he brought the thoughts of Martin Luther and how you're justified by faith, she accepted that and... Uh, she was really one of the first women to marry a Protestant pastor. It seems like actually as she listened to him and she learned from him and she read the Bible that it lit a fire in her heart that couldn't be put up, put out. Now, they had some children. I actually, when I look at her life, I, th I think here's a woman of God who was faithful and loyal, but she did it tough. It wasn't easy. She had yeah. a, How many children did she have and what happened to them? Well, while she came from a family of 10, I guess she wanted a large family. 
but Katharina and Matthew only had two children and both of them died very young. And it doesn't end there because Matthew dies. Yeah, well, you've got to remember, uh, Matthew died in 1548. Katharina would have been about 50 and they would have been married 25 years by then. So in those days, that's not a bad time in, rea- in reality, is it? Now, what was she known for? Well, she was known for her very strong beliefs, which she shared by writing. She was an author, and she, her, what she wrote was she had right around through Europe there. Was, was, was her writing, so she'd be writing about the gospel, she'd be writing about what she'd learnt, she'd be writing about Protestantism. She has these writings go right around Europe, that's what you just shared with us. Did it make a difference to the Protestant? Re- did this woman, humble woman, married to a pastor, in a time of men, did her writings make a difference to the Protestant Reformation? Yes, she wrote many uh, many little pamphlets, not big books, but she'd write on all the topics that the Reformation was preaching and teaching. And so she, by her writings, she would have had a great influence. It seems I did a little bit of looking up her up myself too, that she was able to write in the common language so the common people could easily understand the truths that she was trying to share, which was very powerful back then. God had given her a real gift. Did she ever meet, because I know they lived around about the same time, did she ever get a chance to meet the great Martin Luther? Yes, she did meet him once at one point in her life, and that would have been a great time. Uh, she wasn't always in his company, but on one occasion, probably at one of the meetings, she met him and she agreed with his his beliefs and she would have been a proponent of them as well. And she has an interest in music, in hymns. Tell us about that. All right. Well, you remember Martin Luther was one who started hymns in the Protestant church and here she was. She wrote hymns. In fact, she published four books of hymns and uh, she saw hymns as a means of learning and worshipping God and, and it, teaching people about prayer and praise. It was more than just a songbook. And so here is a woman who wrote many hymns and as well as tracts and pamphlets. A very talented woman. In fact, what a lot of us don't realise is because we take it for granted that hymns and music is a part of church. Not really so back then. And so she's part of a movement that's bringing music, which is very important to worship, back into the church. Um, so well, it wasn't just her periodicals and her writings that went around in Europe. It was her music. And she, she's having a significant difference on the Protestant church. And not only that, but because of her writing, she takes these beliefs into the public arena and Mm. people would have heard about it because of what she was doing. And it's in her music too. Um, Was she a woman of the Bible? Do we know much? Was she a studier, a student of Scripture? She was a student and when her husband Matthew died, she even studied the Bible much more. I guess that gave her uh, comfort and solace in the losing a husband, but she believed the Bible and it was the, the lodestar of her belief. It was the centre of it. All came there from Jesus. Do we know how and when she died? Yes, she died in 1562, so she would have been 64 at that stage. Now, that sounds young to us, especially for me who just turned 60 not long ago, but the reality was back then that was, a, we've said it before, that was a good long life, correct? Was. 
Was her life significant when you look back at the Protestant Reformation, and or was she just a, a little light? How, how do you see her? Well, she wasn't one of the big lights like Calvin and Luther and Wesley, but she was certainly one that uh, consolidated the work right across, and because she was a writer, it would have gone through many countries. In fact, she wrote for the Bohemian Brethren, you know, ones who influenced John Wesley. Yeah. And so she was a great, significant person in her own right, for God right through that time. And Martin Luther was aware of her writings and her music as well, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, so she, the, the fact that he even knew who she was, was aware of her ministry, kind of gives you a, a sense and a feeling of what an impact she did have on the church back then. Last question, do you think there's anything we can learn from Katerina today? Well, I think worship of God includes singing, it includes worship and praise, and it includes Bible study, and she was with all of that. Yeah, she rose up. Here's a woman, not probably a great time for women in ministry, but she stood up, she did what the Lord asked her to do, and she made a difference. Thank you, Harold, for another great story. Look forward to seeing you again in the not-too-distant future. Sure. All the best, Lloyd. Bye. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. Oh dear. I got him. <laughs> we did. He was starting off, but I already hit the sting. <laughs> Good on you, Harold. Thanks for being with us, mate. Uh, I already stung you out. <laughs> in, in my, in my post COVID state. Uh, did it bring you some pleasure? It did make me laugh. Oh dear. There's one thing about hunting on tech, I'll tell you what, there's no second chance. Uh, it's, you, a, it's a savage, brutal if, end. If you say you're going, you better go. You better be going. <laughs> oh dear, dear, oh dear. We got a beautiful song from Grace community church in the united states i put these in because i'm trying to get people to get a sense and a feeling of what it would be like to sing in church yep now music in church is quite often considerably different than music you're going to hear out there in the community out secular music it's just depends how on your church it, well yeah it does <laughs> but generally it's different and Certainly the reason the reason different. it's different is yep. because it's music dedicated written to jesus and sometimes when you're first coming to jesus christ it can be a bit of a challenge, you know. It's, it's a little bit like hunting when you're changing diet, like you and I oh, have dear. been. It's not easy to go from uh, vegetarian pies and and uh, McDonald's and shakes and all this stuff <laughs> into salads and fruits and grains and nuts and vegetables. But the thing is, after a while, you get used to it. Uh, I got a soft drink the other day, accidentally, hunting. I told you about this, that had sugar in it. Are you, if I'm going to get a soft drink, and I rarely get a soft drink anymore, yep. but if I am, I'm going to get a non-sugar one, you know? Yep. I couldn't drink it. Why? Because my diet, my taste and change. I think music's a little bit like that. So I hope you enjoy this. I mean, I've loved this sort of music all my life. I know you love it too, this yeah, grand yeah, stuff. Yeah, I do, I do. Don't you, Hunter? I do. Um, and, and it's a good song. Come Christians, join and join and sing. This is a big church with maybe two, 3,000 people in it. A huge pipe organ, Hunty. Yes. Um, see what you think.
what a ripper of a song that was. You like that, Hunty? And I'm very pleased to see our guest is here also. Hunty was panicking. <laughs> D- did you forget Robbie? Welcome, Robbie. Daylight saving. Did you forget daylight saving, mate? <laughs> I do have daylight savings, but I have been watching the clock very carefully. Okay, good, good, good. So you did realise we were on daylight saving. Well, good on Nick's off, got to tell you. Because Hunty was down to the last 40 seconds. I was. I, was. I wouldn't say it was an enjoyable time for me, but... <laughs> it was enjoyable. <laughs> hey, I'm a national content manager for uh, three different time zones, no, four different time zones now. Nice. Wow, is that hard? Like you now, just so our listeners know, those of you who don't know, though, this guy's pretty well, probably more well known on Faith FM than anyone, and probably got more programs on Faith FM. Would that be fair to say, Robbie? Um, people know me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if they listen to Faith FM, they do. Um, is it is it now your content manager, program manager? Is it like right now in Western Australia? uh, Are people listening to us live, or do you do do we come on? 3.30 Three thirty their time. That. No, our mate Dave Edgren just uh, texted across. He's listening to us. Twelve thirty no, in WA. Live. So yeah. So you're an afternoon program on the east coast, but you're a sort of a early mid noon sort of show in the, the so, west. So you're still running live. Correct. Yeah, this is still running live. Yeah. So all the pro- live programs, like live shows, are live at the same time in every time zone, which makes it really complicated because yeah, you have to adjust stuff around. Yeah. Because, uh, like for example, the breakfast show on the east coast is seven a.m. Uh, it's Four. not 7 a.m. in Western Australia. 4 a.m. Lunchtime show. <laughs> no, no, yeah. other way, hunty. Other oh. way, son. Oh, yeah, sure. 4 a.m. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but anyway, we, we had it. We have, we always have uh, a nervous uh, time on the, the first Monday after the shift. Yeah, yeah. The daylight savings backward forward always yeah. does us in. Mm-hmm. And it'd be too hard to try and make it not live in every place, I suppose. We wouldn't have the. The, the ability to do that um, with our technology yet. Hey, Robbie, you were at South Queensland camp where I got COVID. Did you get sick or did you just roll straight through that, mate? I was good. I heard a lot of people got COVID yeah. um, after I left. I was I was good. The kids were – I got two little kids. They were not feeling great on the uh, Sunday after camp. Yeah. And I was good for the whole week after, and then I, I started getting a bit sick on uh, Friday just gone. So, like, a week later, I got a week delay. So you did get uh, COVID? I don't know if it's COVID. I didn't test for it, but I definitely. Yeah. It, it's probably. I've had COVID once before, and this the first time I had COVID, I had no symptoms, and it was great. Um, this time around, I've got all the symptoms. You know, no smell, no taste, all that sort of Can stuff. Can you breathe? Yeah. yeah. Well, sort of. I've got it, and I can't <laughs> hardly breathe. Put it this way: This is the first program I've been on nice. uh, where I where I had to talk to as being sick. Oh, wow! Actually, we had another guy. <laughs> who was up there too in Brisbane um, down today, Nico, if you're listening to your to us, mate, he got it too. He's got COVID as well. So there was a real outbreak there of COVID. Yeah. I reckon it must have come yeah. into that hall we were working out of, that expo <laughs> hall. <laughs> it was a bit delayed. When did you get sick though? Because it was a bit delayed for me, so I don't know how long the incubation time I, was and stuff like that. I was sick by Thursday night and it came on in a rush. I was came home in the car, Hunty, from yeah, Brisbane. Yep, There's nothing yep. wrong with me and Thursday night just came on in three hours. And I had nothing. I was celebrating like I'd escaped it and now, mate, today's my <laughs> worst day. I'm just dragging through today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, it's more fatigue than anything for me. Like, I just feel really fatigued. Yeah. That, we, we were saying that, Hunty, how we're sleeping. Yes, yes. Really, really long sleeps. And, yes. Yeah. So, hey, I want to talk to you I want to, we started a good discussion on the Sabbath. I want to throw some stuff at you today, if that's all right, Robbie. Now, just for our listeners, I actually haven't warned him. This is cold. 
I'm hitting him as I would hit a passer up. <laughs> well, it's it's how I want it to be, you know. Hitting you up if I was a bloke in the street coming to you talking about the Sabbath and I knew a bit. Because these are the texts that often are thrown at Sabbath keepers to try and wipe it off, that it doesn't matter anymore, you know what I mean? I know you're probably aware of most of these texts, but let's have a go and see how you go. I'm going to read the question. Hunty will then read the text, and then we'll let you comment, mate. Um, Here's the first one. This is thrown at me all the time, and and sometimes on this radio show, actually, mate, which is good. We like people who are not into the Sabbath listening to us because we could try and challenge them with it. Um, Yeah, love it. After Jesus' resurrection, Sunday was held sacred, this is what they say, as the Lord's Day in remembrance of that resurrection. Um, From that time on, his followers observed the first day of the week as their Sabbath. And the two texts often use Acts 20, verse 7, and uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Hunty, can I just get you to read them, and then I'll get you to comment on that on that um, statement, Robert. Okay. Which text are we going first? Acts 20, verse 7, okay. and then 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people and, because he indeed to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. And now 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Yeah. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, save it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So, so the inference there, Robbie, is that they're worshipping on the first day of the week. There's, there's the, um, here's Paul speaking, breaking bread. Then he's telling them to take an offering up on the first day of the week. There you've got right at the beginning of the Christian church, just after Jesus has gone back to heaven, Sunday worship. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what that, that's what they say. Yeah, mm. you're right. Mm. Yeah, look, I've heard this one a fair few times in the last uh, 18, 19 years or so that I've been doing this whole Sabbath thing. Um, here's a couple of things before we get into the nitty-gritty of it. The first thing is this. We in Western society, like growing up outside of, you know, the, the Hebrew and the Greek manuscripts, we read into pretty much every single passage that we read. We read into it with a biased which is nothing wrong with it necessarily. It can, well, it can be quite wrong, but we read into it with a bias from our experience, from our, our background, our knowledge, our culture, those sorts of things. So here's the first thing. When people read those verses, they see in those verses the idea of church and worship. The problem is, is that if you're reading that from a first century, um, Jewish slash Christian perspective, there's nothing necessarily religious about those two descriptions in those two verses. For example, Book of Acts, it uses the expression of breaking bread. Now, in modern society, in today's society, we look at that text and we go, oh, they were having the mass or the celebrating mass or they were celebrating the communion service, depending on what description your denomination uses. The problem is, is that that's an expression of literally having a meal. It's breaking bread together. And there's other passages in the first four chapters of of, uh, Acts where it uses the exact same expression, and it says that they broke bread daily. So, the idea that this is somehow specially um, identifying that Sabbath was changed to Sunday worship because of this one verse, is it's it's a joke to even the, the most amateur sort of biblical student. That's the first one. The second one talking about taking up the the offering on the first day. Yeah, that's what it says, but it's not saying what most people think it's referring to. People go, oh, they're taking an offering up at church. That's not what's happening in that verse at all. What Paul is describing, so the first thing is this, payday was Sunday. So they've received their 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 allowance, or their income, their wages, and Paul's reminding them that 
when you get your income, this is the whole tithing so, principle. So payday was the first day of the week, was it? That's right. That's right. So he's reminding the people on their payday to lay aside money for God, for the services in both tithes and offerings. And it just so happens that Paul's passing through there the next day. So make sure it's all done the day you get it so I can pick it up and take it with me. And I believe he was going to Jerusalem, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So yep. so neither of those verses have any, like in the local cultural context that is written and the audience to who is written, it's got no implication about the idea that worship has changed from Saturday to Sunday. It's purely just like if someone picked up an email that I wrote today in another 100 to 2,000 years later, they might get the impression that when I'm talking about chat GPT that I'm, I've got some you know girlfriend on the side or something. But because we live in this context, we realize it's just a service. I mean, that's my point. Yeah, yeah, my point I, is, I get, is that yeah. we're reading into a verse that's something that's not there. removed from it that's not there. It's just not so, there. Look, I can yeah, see that's that. those specific two verses, but what else you got for me? <laughs> that sounds like a challenge, mate. Um, argument- oh, well, look, I, I could go on, but I, what, I would, what I would do to explain someone who actually had a serious objection, like, hey, these two verses yeah, look yeah. like this, I would go back a little bit further and say, well, let's have a look at what the Bible does say about the whole idea of a Sabbath, and yeah. let's explore that in the new testament and then let's compare what your perspectives and objections might be to the actual reality of the teaching so i mean i'll go and and remember this this is part two of the sabbath you did pretty much nail that in the last talk we had a couple of weeks ago um his argument too the sabbath was done away with and paul reinforces this in colossians this is the big one 16 verse 2 hunter you want to read that or you want me to do it mate got it yep So don't anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. It it seems to me uh, when people throw this one at me, uh, Robbie, that they think it's a slam dunk. Absolutely. Mm. It looks like it Mm. unless you read in the context for which it was written. Now, let me me give you an example here. That was, I think it was verse 16 you just read, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Verse 16. Go back to verse 14, Hunty, yep, and read was. verse 14. Have you got a Hunty, uh, or do you want me to open yeah, my you, Bible? Uh, thanks, mate. I've got uh, 16. He's got things going on I here. I do. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Lloyd. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so start in Colossians 2.14. People want to go to 16. Let's read verse 14. Colossians 2. Let me just go straight to the chapter. Uh, what version do you want, mate? It uh, doesn't matter. Oh, you're New King James, aren't you? I'm New King James. I'm going to yeah. go there so you can stay home. We don't want to get you uncomfortable. We know we're putting the heat on you here, mate. Uh, So let no one judge you. This is verse 16, or you want verse 14? Start in verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. You know what, mate? I'm going to go to the NLT. Only yep. going to do that because I know you understand that, but I want our listeners to understand it in probably a bit more common English. Verse 14. He counseled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. Okay. So here's the here's the thing on this verse. This verse, this is written by Paul. Yep. Um, written around sixty to sixty two A.D. Okay, so keep that in the back of your mind. We'll come back to that. So yep. sixty A.D. around sixty A.D. Yep. Now, once you notice in verse sixteen, he says, "Don't let anybody judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival 
or a new moon or Sabbaths. There are three things here he mentions. Festivals, new moons, and Sabbaths in the plural, not the singular. Yeah, it the is plural. a plural. That's true. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. So that's the first thing we'll notice in verse 16. Now, in verse 17, the next thing he says is, these are a shadow of things to come, or they were a shadow of things to come. It's another translation you can read. Okay, so he's got three things, and he's connecting three things to shadows, festivals, new moons, and Sabbaths in the plural, right? So now we go back to verse 14, which starts off this little conversation, and I want you to notice specifically what he says. And again, this is, this is NKJV, but listen to this very carefully. He says, having, so this is what Jesus, by Jesus dying on the cross, he says he wiped out, and this is what he says, the handwriting of requirements that were against us, which were contrary to us. And then he says he nailed it to the cross. Okay. So something was nailed to the cross. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he definitely took something with him. And what Paul describes it as is handwritten requirements that were against us. And he's referring to himself as a Jewish person, a Hebrew person, right? Yep. The people of God. Yep. So there was something that was against them. It was contrary to them. It was handwritten. And that was nailed to the cross. And then he mentions, after saying it was nailed to the cross, he says that was about festivals, about new moons, and Sabbaths in the plural. And then he says these three things are all shadows of things to come. Okay, so now the big question in this passage is, for any serious Bible student, Mm. is what is he talking about? Mm. What's nailed to the cross? What's a shadow of things to come? And what's this Sabbath that is talking about Sabbaths? Well, it's, it's really, really quite simple. First of all, There's a passage in the book of Deuteronomy. It's in chapter 31 and verse 24 to 26. I've got it here on the screen here. I'll read it if you want to hear it. Listen to this wording, right? This This is Old Testament. This is Moses. Listen to this. So it was when Moses had completed writing the words of this law in a book. Okay. So Moses is handwriting the laws in a book. Yep. Now, listen to what it says next. When they were finished, this is verse 24. Verse 25 says this. Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant. Now, what was inside the Ark of the Covenant? It was the Ten Commandments, right? Yep. And the Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God, right? That's right. So, there's a difference. So, so there's a difference here. Moses has just finished writing a bunch of laws in a book. Yep. And now Moses is saying, take that to the Ark of the Covenant. This is verse 25. Yep. Who bore the Ark of the Covenant, saying, verse 26, Take this book of the law. This isn't a stone. This isn't the Ten Commandments. Take yep. this book of the law and put it it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. Notice this, that it may be there as a witness against you. Mm. Okay. So, remember, what's nailed to the cross, according to Paul, is a law or laws, handwritten laws that are against us. He, he stresses that handwritten for a reason, too. Absolutely. I don't know whether finger written. That's right. This is handwritten. Not God finger written. Handwritten. The Sabbath the the Sabbath is God finger written. I I don't want I better not jump in front of you here. Go on. So the question is what what is this handwritten book of law that Moses has said, I've finished this now. The Ark of the Covenant already exists. The Ten Commandments are already inside of it. So the Ark of the Covenant, just for our listeners who may not know, it was a box that God got them to make overladen with gold. On top of that box was a thing called the Mercy Seat where the presence of God actually was in reality. It was put in a tent tabernacle in the middle of the desert in a in a room called the most holy place if anyone went in there they would die 
So this is right. the, the presence of God. In that box was the Ten Commandments, also Aaron's rod, and what was there? There was something else. Oh, manna. manna. Some manna. So a, a the, man, manna. the manna was a food. And I don't want to get too complex here, but I think you guys need to know what's happening here. So yeah. inside that box, and God would literally sit on top of that box, was his throne. Inside that box, let's, let's just keep it simple, was the Ten Commandments. Outside of the box, lying next to it, was this book of written laws. It wasn't, yeah, handwritten. It wasn't in the box. Only the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God was in the box. Outside the box were these handwritten men, handwritten laws. Sorry, mate, I just want to make sure our people listen get this. Okay, go on. Okay, so the question now is, what is this handwritten law that Moses has written? Well, to, to put it briefly, it's what we call the law of Moses or the ceremonial law. If you want to read it in great detail, it's basically the book of Leviticus. And if you read through Leviticus chapter 16 all the way through to chapter 23, and to to be honest, most people are going to read it and they're going to go, what in the world? This is not making any sense. Because, listen, it's a book about ceremonial and ritual law. Hmm. And the funny thing is, that in if you if you take the whole book of Leviticus, you can divide it into three sections or three themes. There is the theme of um, feasts or festivals. There's the feast. Uh, sorry, there's a there's a, a concept of new moons, and there's a concept of get this mm. Sabbaths, plural. Mm. Now the word Sabbath is rest. We we've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. That's what it means. But when it talks about rests, it's not talking about the rest of the fourth commandment because no. that's that's the the defining rest, right? Mm. So think of it like this: um, we actually, in some translations in English, they call them holy days, mm. where we get the whole holiday from, right? It's basically a, a, a civil day off or a public day off. So. In the book of Leviticus, for example, in chapter 26, uh, sorry, 23, there are um, seven festivals or seven feasts that represent the whole calendar, the Jewish calendar for the whole year. So it's a cycle of these feasts. And part of those feasts are the celebrations of having a new moon because the, the calendar for the Jewish people was based on the lunar, not the, the, um, the solar that we have. And this idea of Sabbath, there is numerous of these what they call holy convocations, which is basically a rest day for the people. Mm. So here's the point. What's the purpose of all these laws, these ceremonial laws, as we call them today, that Moses wrote and put in a book and put it on the side of the ark and all that? Well, it's basically this. The whole year was broken into these seven feasts, and each of these feasts were to be representative of what Messiah would do when he came. That's fantastic, actually. It's amazing. It's I mean, simple, it's you, fantastic, and it's powerful. You couldn't escape any day of the year without thinking of the coming Messiah. So you've got which, which, which leaves me just devastated that the Jews missed it. Missed it. Yeah. Devastated. Go on, you're saying Passover. So the, you know, the it starts with the, the calendar starts with the feast of the Passover, right? Which is celebrating what happened with the deliverance of Egypt, but also forecasting the deliverance of the ultimate deliverer from sin, not from the slavery of hmm. Egypt, but from the slavery of sin. So that's Passover. I was looking and, that Passover ceremony is actually looking forward to the cross. Hundred percent. In Amazing. fact, it's fulfilled on the cross. That's right. Like that. 
That's the whole point of it. So after <laughs> uh, after the cross, according to this scripture, you don't have to keep Passover because it's already been fulfilled. That Sabbath has been fulfilled in the cross. But the mistake our brothers and sisters and some of our scholars, Sunday scholars make is that they are they are mixing up that Sabbath, Passover, with the seventh-day Sabbath. The Passover was in the handwritten book next to the Ark of the Covenant, the box. The Ten Commandments with the Sabbath in the middle of it was in the heart of the box. And that was Correct. written by the, fr- by, by the hand 100%, of God. 100%. And, and so you've got all these festivals, Passover. Yep. You want to go through a couple yeah, of them? Got, we, we don't need to unpack them level, too much. You've but got Passover followed by Unleavened Bread is another feast. Followed by first fruits, which was a kel- uh, representative of new life after the whole thing's done. Uh, then you got feast of um, Pentecost, which is the uh, it's the basically the fiftieth day after Passover. Yom and then Kippur. you go into the feast of um, trumpets, yeah. and the feast of uh, tabernacle oh, atonement, and then tabernacles. Yeah. And so the whole year was based on this system, right? But here's the point: that whole process. And the keeping of it and being meticulous about not eating this and then eating that. And then, like, for example, you had to eat unleavened bread without having any yeast in it because it represented the work Hunting. of the Messiah, not having sin. Or You guys all right? Yeah, keep going. Yes, mate, keep okay, going. So, yeah. <laughs> I can see you guys, but I'm not in the studio with you, but. Keep talking. We're just trying to get the program right because guess I'm what? We've, run sheet, we've gone over time, <laughs> and I don't want to haul you up. So I'm sorry. Go on, mate. Yeah. So anyway, my point is this: is that um, that whole ceremonial law is for the basic premise of seeing and living an enacted prophecy of the coming Messiah. Like, why did they have to eat unleavened bread without yeast? Because it represented the work of the Messiah. It's stunning. Why did they it's have stunning, to- mate. Yeah. So, it's, like, it can sound very complicated, but it's not. It's stunning. It's stunning in its simplicity. And every single one of these feasts, and they would get together for a lot of them, like the camp yep. meeting we've just been to, mate. That's right. They called, would get together. It was called together. a holy convocation. I mean, one of the reasons they got into trouble in AD 70 was they were all in together for one of these feasts. And and, and Jerusalem was, was, was full of people when the Romans attacked and, of course, didn't have the food and the water to... So that's another story. But the fact is this, these feasts were stunning. They all pointed forward to Jesus, to his life, to his ministry, uh, to the cross, to his death, and even to his resurrection. And when Jesus came, of course, these festivals no longer mattered because they were fulfilled in Christ. And that's why Paul says, hey, you don't have to worry. Don't let it. He and was saying, if you want to keep Passover, keep Passover, but don't let anyone judge you for it because you don't have to do that anymore. Jesus is already here. And that's exactly the point of that passage that you just you just shared with us in Colossians, right? The whole yeah. point here is he's saying, look, don't let anyone judge you. And, and it's actually in the other way around. Like mm. he's saying, you don't need to keep it. Mm. But if mm. people want to keep it, don't let them judge you. Mm. Now, remember the context of this. This is written 60 AD. As you just alluded to, it's only 10 years, about eight years later, that the destruction of Jerusalem happens in 70 AD, and there is no more temple. There is mm. no more feast to be kept at those temples. Mm. And so Paul, I think, is preparing the people that he's talking to to get their attention off the earthly things and put it on a heavenly thing. Because at this point, Messiah is now resurrected. Mm. Messiah is yeah, that's right. in, in heaven. Yeah. And the whole book of Hebrews is explaining to the Hebrew people who have become followers of Jesus how to take your attention off the physical and put it on a better high priest, on a better sacrifice, in a better sanctuary. And guess where it all is? It's in heaven. So when the destruction comes in Jerusalem, 
there's nothing. I mean, it's it's tragic. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's not. It's not about. It's not your theologically. Confidence. It's not a theological disaster because the Jesus that all these feasts pointed to, which were often celebrated in the temple, around the temple, around Jerusalem, had already been fulfilled in Jesus. And that's why he calls it in verse seventeen. These were the shadow of right. things to come. Very so, clear. Yeah. Very so for, very clear. Very clear. So for me, like when someone says, oh, look, it says don't let anybody judge you on the Sabbath. So I'm like, 100%. That's why I don't keep the Sabbaths. Yeah. Because yeah. the ones that were written in the handbook, you know, contrary to us, it's the ceremonial law. So that's, I don't, I don't sacrifice sheep. I don't observe the, uh, mm. the Passover in the sense of the way it was in the past. I'm not into any of those feasts and things mm. because they all pointed me to that was shadows pointing me to the real person, which was I, Jesus. I, I want to throw another couple at you. Then I want to have a song, and then I want to come up back and just talk to you for a few minutes um, about how the Sabbath changed from Saturday to Sunday. I know you know plenty That's about fascinating. it. Is and we'll we'll have uh, how many minutes we got to do that one, Hunty? Oh, I can give another another twelve fifteen minutes. No, no. After the song, after we finish this section, then he's going yes, to take. You my can have another ten fifteen minutes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, another couple. I'll throw at you. Let's get these done pretty quick. Uh, there's one you might. Take a bit longer, but how, what have we got left in this segment? Five, five minutes. Yeah, okay, five, yeah. Let's, so on this one, real quick. But isn't the Lord's Day Jesus Day Sunday? Revelation one ten, Hunty. Okay, Revelation. And this is John the Apostle about to go in vision. This is a text that it actually, you know, you can kind of see whose side of the argument on here because this just beggars me that people would even dare to use this text Good. to support Sunday. <laughs> anyway, go. go, Hunty. On the Lord's Day, I was in the spirit. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. So that they, they'll use that. People will use that as evidence that John, in uh, maybe when he was 85, 90, when he wrote this book, um, was in vision on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. Is that what the Bible says there? Uh, well, look, that's what people, again, if you're a surface reader and you're looking at it through the lens of 2,000 years, I can understand when people go, oh, that's talking about Sunday. The, the problem is, is it wasn't written 2,000 years later. It was written, like you said, about 96, 97, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Now, if you read those words again, all, all John is making a point of is that he was receiving the vision on the Lord's day. That's his only point. He's not trying to convince you of which day is which. Well, just why why would people just jump to a conclusion that that is Sunday? So, well, we can talk about that after the break because it's yeah, that's right. The whole I, I, I story, am but, jumping, aren't I? On that? <laughs> but let's but let's just let's just exp- unlock this real quick with two verses. Yep. So John's making the point, and he's not trying to convince us. He's just making yeah, it just, by the, it, by the it, way it's, comment. It's like saying I went uh, to the show on Wednesday. He's just exactly. yeah, it's just Same a comment of, like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, go on. So the question now is, well, who is the what, Lord? What is the Lord's and, day? And which is his day? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the question, right? Yep, yep. So the question is, who's the Lord? Well, it's obviously Jesus. Well, what's right? his day? I mean, yeah, so which is his day? So now we go to Mark chapter 2, verse 28. And Jesus says, listen, in verse 27, he says, the Sabbath, so this is the same Sabbath of the Old Testament, yep, yep. seventh day, it was made for humans yep. and not humans for the Sabbath. Okay, so he's just setting up a, a hierarchy here. He's yep. saying this, the humans came and then the Sabbath was given to them. So yep. it's it's a gift. That's why yep. I think last episode I was referring to the Sabbath that, gift, yep. right? Yep. And what a so wonderful verse 28, gift. Yep. Verse 28 says, therefore, this is Jesus speaking, so this is the Lord. Listen to this because this is important. This is the Bible. That's right. This is the Bible. Mm. Therefore, the Son of Man, who's the Son of Man? It's Jesus as himself. Mm-hmm. The Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. So the question is, if the Lord is Jesus, 
which is his day, it's the Sabbath. That's the only rest day or the only day that's defined in Scripture as belonging to him. That's the first text. Here's the last one. If we go to the um, the Ten Commandments, so this is Exodus chapter 20 and beginning in verse 8. This is what it says. It says, remember the Sabbath day. So this is God speaking, yep, right? Yep. He says, remember the Sabbath day. That's We know it's seventh day. It says, keep it holy. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But, listen to this. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, your God. So, which day is the Lord's day? In the fourth commandment, it's very, very clear that it's the seventh day, which is the Sabbath. So, all John is saying there in Revelation chapter 1 is he just saying, oh, uh, you know, the other day I had a vision and it happened to be on the Sabbath, which was the Sabbath. Which was the the Lord's day is the Sabbath in the Old and the New Testament. Both, both. And there's, there's documented evidence, historical evidence, that the, that the idea that the, the Lord's Day was ever attributed to Sunday didn't come until around 300 AD. Okay, we're going to look at that in a minute. Let's have a, let's have a break. Let's have a song. This is, a, this is again now, can't you, <laughs> if, you, if you can put that up. This is another great song that we sing in church a lot at New Hope. Again, I'm trying to give you a sense and a feel of what you're going to get if you go to an Adventist church. And hey, by the way, you are welcome to go to any Sabbath-keeping church any Seventh-day Adventist church in Australia, anywhere in the world you're listening to. Look it up. You'll get a warm welcome. Not every church is like this, but in a lot of them, you're going to hear this sort of music. Again, I know it's a bit different, but listen to it and see what you think and ask the God of the heavens who wrote or inspired this music to be written. Ask him to touch you. Thanks, Auntie.
that's just fantastic, Hunty. Mate. Thank you, mate. mate that's Grace Community Church in America, in California, actually. Yep. I reckon that's a little taste of what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. And if you're not used to that music, I get it. Yes. But I can tell you that when you get used to it, you start singing that in church, surrounded by people, singing their lungs out in praise to God. It puts the hair on the back of your neck up and you feel like you've gone straight to heaven. For sure. Are you still there, um, Robbie? I hope so. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you like singing, mate? Are you a singer? Um, I, I have a shower. <laughs> do you have a, a certain music you like in Christian music? Is there a certain genre or style you like? Or Yeah, look, I, I like a bit of Zach Williams and... Uh I don't know if you know Zach Williams. Is it yeah, every Christian, you're, you're, Christian you're, artist? You're, you're, now you're here, and we've got youth here in the <laughs> studio, and in this young man, uh, Robbie. Well, look, uh, the Compared reason I, us, I, like, I like music, I like music that has message. Like a lot of music, I find a little bit, you know, especially in the Christian space, it's all kind of. There's a lot of good music. Don't get me wrong, but there's, some of the contemporary stuff gets sort of just gets a bit monotonous for me. I like songs, songs with story and experience. And Zach Williams stuff sort of does that for me. He's sort of robust and you know plays yeah, the guitar yeah. and stuff. So I, I kind of so I'm that, into that at the moment. so that green stuff that Hunty and I are just getting off on there. That's not really. I your... actually have. I didn't have any song coming through my headphones. It was completely mute. So oh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't hear a thing. It's true. You, you, you know that song. Crown him with many I'm crowns. Fix that right now. But you know that. Oh, yeah. You know. When, Love you, that song. when you hear it, though, this is this is sung in a giant cathedral with maybe four hundred voice choir and the church singing to the top of their voice. It's like going to heaven, man. You know, it's, oh, look, it's, my I was I was about twenty three, twenty four. Right, I went to the US and I was just starting my Christian experience, and I I got an invitation at Christmas time to go to Handel's Messiah oh, yeah. in a perform live right in yeah. Washington DC. Wow! Now, I didn't know Handel's Messiah from. Oh, it doesn't matter. I didn't know from yeah, anything. Yeah. I'd never heard of it, right? Yeah. And so I didn't know what I was going to. All I knew was I was a Christian. It was coming up to Christmas, and people said I need to go to it. So I went and sit in this. It was this massive cathedral in Washington D.C., and I had no idea what to expect. And when it started, I was like, "Oh, back in my seat!" It was epic. It was absolutely amazing to hear Handel's Messiah. And if you have ever heard it, yeah. I, mean, I know you probably heard it, but oh, yeah. if you haven't heard of Handel's Messiah, you got to check it out because that what you just described then is how I felt. I felt like I just like got teleported to heaven. With Handel's Messiah, you can be a secular Australian, know very little about Jesus. You can walk in off the street. You can sit down. It will move you. And at the end, when everybody stands up, the song Hunty um, uh, Hallelujah Chorus. Hallelujah Chorus. You know how everyone stands yeah, where up. Where the Islamic starts and yeah, then goes yeah. into the Hallelujah. Everyone stands up. It'll put the hair on the back of your neck. You'll be transported into the throne room of God, and you will be changed. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. It was amazing. Oh. And that's what that last song you missed was like. Sorry, it was mate. just it was, Hunty and I are sitting there with yeah, our we're earphones turning your headphones on. up to enjoy it. <laughs> hey, we've got ten minutes, I think. Uh, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want you to tell us briefly, succinctly, how the. The early Christian apostolic church went from a Sabbath-keeping church to a Sunday church. Because I think without, and I don't know what you're going to say, I think it's fair to say it started pretty early, Robbie. Um, yeah. Do you want to just share with us what you've yeah. discovered in your study of history? You've got, you've got ten-odd minutes. 
All right, and make sure I stop on time because I have no. I, I, I see your clock, but just got. I'll give you some warnings, and the reason I only want to go ten minutes is because I want you to stay for Aussie Aussie Pass. Yeah, yes, please. There's a couple. Oh, okay, of, couple of curly couple questions. Couple of curly ones All right, in cool. there. Yeah. So let's let's get let's get into it. So yeah. before if, let me start with this. Well, before the song break, which was so amazing, which I didn't hear, um, <laughs> we were talking about the Lord's Day, right, and like that term of being applied to Sunday. Where that come from? So it turns out. This is fascinating, right? It turns out that in Rome, long before Christianity shows up, there was a what they called a solar festival, right? So solar being the sun, it was a sun festival. And it, well, guess what day it was on? It was on Sunday, right? It makes good sense. It was called Sunday for a reason. And this day was a holy day. It was a sacred day because it was the sacred day of Mithra. So Mithra was the the deity that was uh, celebrated on the first day of the week, Sunday. Now, here's the interesting thing. In Latin, which is the Romans, that was their official language, they referred to Mithra, which is the deity, as Dominus. Now, I don't know if you if you know your Latin very well. I'm not great with Latin, but I know no, I'm not real to get good. around. I, I'm not real so, good, but I've, I've got a sense where you're going on this one. So Dominus... If you translate it into English, is give him a seven, Lord. And a four minute, and a two minute. So it's Lord. So we're looking Lord's Day. The Lord. So Dominus's day or the Lord's day was Sunday. Yeah. In in pagan Roman culture, this is before Christians come on the, even on the world stage, right? Yeah. So if you had to talk to any Roman up until you know thirty something AD, they would have referred to. Day, the first day of the week in the calendar, as Dominus's day, the Lord's day, and when they're referring to Dominus, they're referring to Mithra. Okay, so that was already in play. Now, what's ironic is is that when you look at it in English, you can also see, like we looked at in Book of Mark and the Book of um, Exodus, that the Lord's day, biblically speaking, the Lord's day is Saturday, right? So it's really interesting. Yeah, that you've you almost got a two- counterfeit going on, mate. Exactly my point. That's my point. We've got these two sort of parallel things taking place. At the same time, and then they intersect, guess where? In Christianity, in Christ, in 31 AD. And so now we have this um, this interesting opportunity for, if look, if there was an adversary Christ, he'd want to hijack everything, right? And that's exactly what turns out to happen. So he uses this intersect of Dominus, um, as in the Lord's Day, as in Sunday, of worship of Mithra, and you have Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, or Adonai is the Hebrew. So Adonai is his title, and that in English would be Lord. So when we say Jesus is Lord, we're saying Jesus is Adonai in Hebrew. And if you're in Hebrew, in uh, Latin, you'd be saying Dominus. So you've got the exact same interplay mm, happening, mm, mm, mm. but two different people on two different days, mm. right? So that's the backstory, right? So how does it how does it cross over? And now, all of a sudden, two thousand years later, we we don't even think of Mithra. We don't even think of Dominus. We think of it's Jesus changing the Saturday to the Sunday. Like that's where our head headspace goes two thousand years later. So, what's the backstory to that? Well, it turns out. Let me let me um, highlight a, a verse. We won't go there, but in Matthew Hunt, chapter Hunt, twenty-four, Hunter, give you a time warnings here as we're going. Yeah, he's how, got the clock. How, he, how can, much, he can see our clock. How much is it? Seven, is it seven? seven is it the same number? He can see our clock, mate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. Good. Okay. Cool. So when when Jesus is on the earth, right before this, it's the Thursday before his crucifixion. And he's having, no, sorry, the Wednesday before his crucifixion, he's having a conversation with his disciples and they're asking him, hey, what will be the sign of your return, the end of the world and all that stuff? Matthew chapter 24. Jesus responds with a whole bunch of stuff that will happen. We've talked about this other times, you know, natural disasters, yep. church and state, all that stuff. But right smack in the, towards the end of it, 
Jesus comes along and comes out and says this. Oh, and by the way, pray that when this stuff starts going down. Now, now just before happen- you go on, just so our listeners get what you're saying here, I want you to emphasize you're talking about the end of time. End of time. This is future now. Jesus Before says, the return. He's Jesus, talking about the, the time leading up to the return of himself, which hasn't happened yet, right? So he's talking now about something at the end, well, a Sabbath, at the end of time. Correct. Thank you. I just wanted to make that point clear. Go on, and I don't want to take your and time. And here's what he says. And here's what he says. He doesn't say, I make sure you understand I've changed it or make sure you got this. The only thing he says is, pray that this stuff doesn't go down in winter and on Sabbath. So what is implied with Jesus in words before the cross? And by the way, that's one of the, that's the last thing he says about the Sabbath. The, the two things he says is he connects the Sabbath and winter together, continuing on until he returns. Yep. So we should expect then, in light of all the other stuff we talked about, uh, you know, last time we were all mm-hmm. together to win the Sabbath and in this episode, everything we see in Scripture, there's a continuity from creation to not just the second coming of Jesus, but even beyond. I think last time you mm-hmm. shared the book in Isaiah, right, mm-hmm. how they will worship from one new moon, one Sabbath to another, right? It's, it's continuing on. So mm-hmm. nothing in the, in the golden thread of the Sabbath changes, nothing. So where does this change come from? Well, let me share with you. So, in my journey, when I was, I, I think I shared last time, I, I wasn't a, a Christian. I wasn't a keeper of any day. I didn't attend church at all. But when it was came up to me and I'm like, hey, I've got to, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And Jesus has got, a, got a, um, a day of worship. Which day is it? And you look at the two options. Is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? What is it? In my research, I want to share with you what I came across, right? So, this is fascinating. Now, again, I didn't have a bias. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't a Sunday Christian. I wasn't a Sabbath Christian. I didn't care. I had no mm. bias. I just want to know what the facts were, right? Yeah. As Ben Shapiro says, facts don't care about your feelings, right? You just want to know the. It's facts. actually not a bad way of looking at it, though, without any biases. <clears throat> just going in. What's the truth? What's the Bible so saying? He, so here's a couple of things that happen. One thing is so in terms of the Lord's Day thing, right? Becoming a Christian thing. We, according to the history books, and this is document, you can, you don't even have to Google, go to your library and get the book if you don't believe Google. This is what it says. It says it wasn't until 325 AD, 325, right? So we're talking just over, sorry, just under 300 years after the crucifixion of Jesus, just under 300 years later, there's a Pope and his name is Sylvester. And Pope Sylvester officially names Sunday which was um, Dominus's, the Dominus, Dominus Day in Latin or Mithra's Worship Day, he officially named Sunday the Lord's Day. So it didn't happen until 325 325 AD. AD is when Pope Sylvester now names the Roman Day of Mithra and sort of attaches now the Lord's Day from a Christian perspective to it. Mm. So, Jesus had died and resurrected and had been in heaven for 300 years before that even happened. Every disciple that knew Jesus had lived and died, and then their children and their children, for three genera- 300 years. I mean, this isn't something that just like, oh, well, it's in the Bible, right? So, that's, that's the first It's actually clue. eight to ten generations. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. long time. So, here's the next clue. In 338, so about 10, 15 years later, Eusebius is the court bishop of Constantine, right? So Constantine's on the stage, and he writes this. He says, All things whatsoever it was the duty to do on the Sabbath, he says, referring to the seventh-day Sabbath, he then says, we, 
and he's referring to Constantine and himself as the bishop, have transferred to the Lord's Day, and he's now referring to the Lord's Day that was just changed 15 years ago, right, which was the um, Dominus's Day. So here's what we find. It's 325 that Saturday is now, a Sunday is now called the Lord's Day, 325. And then in 338, now we have the bishop for Constantine come out and say, oh, and by the way, everything you were supposed to do on the seventh day Sabbath of the Bible, now you must do on the first day week of, of, the, of the calendar, which we've now called the Lord's Day. So how do you get the idea? And I've run into a lot of Christians that argue with me, um, oh, look, the disciples kept Sunday. The, uh, the 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 early church kept Sunday. Well, the problem is, there's no that's completely fictitious. That never happened. And let me prove it to you. I've got a couple of um, really good statements I've come across over the years. Um, this one is from. So what I, this is what I did, right? If you're interested, uh, if your listeners are interested, I can give this contacts out. But I um I went through every denomination, Christian denomination, on the planet, and I looked at everything their theologians teach about the sabbath right the sabbath or the, the change of the sabbath or any of that sort of thing i'll share two we've got one minute left here's one this is the anglican church right this is what the anglican church says it says this is from isaac williams um plain sermons on the catechism this is the anglican catechism mm-hmm. it's on page 334 he says and where are we told in scripture that we are to keep the first day at all so he's a sunday practicing christian he's a bishop and he's asking the question to his congregation where in scripture are we told to keep sunday at all this is what he says we are commanded to keep the seventh but are nowhere commanded to keep the first day the reason why we keep the first day now here it comes this is coming from a bishop of the anglican church the reason we keep the first day of the week in holy instead of the seventh day is the same reason that we observe many other things not because of the bible but because the Church of Rome has enjoined it to it. So, that, that, and that's the Anglican Church, right? I've got one for every single denomination. I'll just go to the Rome now. Here's what the Romans say. And this Ro- is the Church last one. Hey, you want to come back and talk about this next week, or are you too busy? Uh, I think I'm around. I should, yeah, let's, let's One let's more. And last then, one. Yep. Here's this. This is the Roman Church. It would be well to remind the Presbyterians, the Baptists, the Methodists, and all other Christians that the Bible does not support them anywhere in their observance of Sunday. Sunday is an institution of the Roman Catholic Church, and those who observe the day observe a commandment of the Church of Rome. That was written by priest uh, Brady in 1903 on March 18. So here's my point. When you can have every argument you want to have to justify Sunday being cha- uh, Saturday being changed to Sunday in the Bible, you can argue all you want, black and blue. But the problem with it is it's just not there. And history tells us very, very plainly and clearly that there is no evidence in Scripture at all for a change from Saturday to Sunday. If we can get you back, if if we can get you back, I want to get you back because I want to talk more about this next week. i got some questions myself. Yeah, Uh, And maybe our our listeners, if you've got some questions, you can send them in. Um, Hunty? Yes, please. You can text them to us on 0488 or you can just email them to us. And the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. Yeah. Hey, let's do it. Let's do a giveaway real quick. If, yes. they want to, if your listeners want to get a book that I've written on this topic called The Sabbath Gift, yep. 
Um, they text the word Sabbath to what's your number again? Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. Text so, Sabbath to zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, and that's all you have to put in the text, and you'll get our Autobot that'll get your details and we'll send it to you. Free gift. That's it. Free. Actually, we'll give that book away next week too, for sure. So, um, uh, let's have a song. Yes. This is written by Stuart Hamlin. It's no secret. It's no secret. Uh, let me tell you the story before you say very quick. Sure. I don't want to take time, but it's a great story. Stuart Hamlin had just met Jesus Christ. He met Jesus Christ in a Billy Graham crusade. His next door neighbor was John Wayne. Is that, is that the name of the Western guy? John Wayne, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And he, he, he'd been trying to share Jesus with John Wayne. Finally gets a chance over the back fence one day, and he starts to talk about Jesus, and John says, yeah, he, he is fantastic. I, I think I need to invite him in my heart too. And then he looked at Stuart Hamlin, and he says, you know what? When I look at your life, it is no... Because Stuart Hamlin was a big Hollywood music uh, writer, mm-hmm. producer, director for he movies. Was. And, mm. and he looked at Stuart Hamlin, and he says, you know what? I look at your life, it is no secret what God can do. And Stuart Hamlin and John Wayne looked at each other and John said, that'd be a good song. Stuart said, yeah, it would be. He went and wrote it in about 15 minutes. Wow. And it's one of the most famous Christian songs of the last 50 or 60 years. Have a listen to it, see what you think. The chimes of time ring out the news Another day is through Someone slipped and was that someone you you may have long for any strength your courage to renew but do not be
Okay, welcome back, listeners. It's a good song. It's my favourite segment now called Ask the Aussie Pastor, and we have got it seven and a half minutes left, so I'm getting straight into is that, it. Is that all? That's right. Uh. You took two minutes to introduce that song. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? It's a good Time's story, tough. though, isn't it? Good story, yep. Hey, let me send this one across to Robbie. We've got a listener who'd like to know a little bit about the Apocrypha. Oh, okay. Apocrypha <laughs> is um, a word that we use to describe what we call the hidden books. Um, it's uh, basically there's there's some New Testament apocrypha and there's some Old Testament apocrypha. If you've got a, a certain editions of the King Old King James version, you'll find the apocrypha in squeeze in between in its own little category. But basically, um, all most most Bibles these days don't include it because we have always held the position as Christians that the apocrypha are not um, legit books. Put it that way. Okay, so what, and, not inspired by God or. Yeah, look, the, the reason is, the basic reason is this, they don't pass the test. Right. So we use this expression of the canon of scripture, and the canon is basically a measuring stick. And so yep. every single, here's where it comes from. In the book of Isaiah, it, there's a verse where God says, to the law and to the testimony, if it doesn't speak according to this, there's no light in it. And that's in the context of revelation, information, inspiration, prophets, and all that sort of stuff. So basically, every prophet who claims to be a prophet, everything that they say and everything that they write gets tested against what's already been revealed yep. as a, a form of measuring. And if it doesn't measure up, if it contradicts something in there, if it's not right, uh, quite legit, like in alignment with it, then it gets thrown out. So what we call the apocrypha today are the books that have been studied extensively and they just don't line up with what the rest of the scriptures have taught. Great. And most most of the books in the Apocrypha um, were seen as being apocryphal books, being not a part of the canon of scripture, pretty much in the generation they were written. There's been a glowing, growing trend over the last probably 20 years that uh, we should revisit all the apocryphal books, and somehow we've missed it as a conspiracy to keep us from learning more about God. Yep. The reality is if you actually read them, they're not um, any – there's so many contradictions to what the rest of the canon of Scripture talk about. You know what? There's a, there's, there's a tone. Yeah. There's a tone in the – you'll pick it up. If you're a student yep. of Scripture, you'll pick it up. There's a tone. Like there's a second book of Daniel, for example. Yeah. I love the story. It's called uh, Dragon and the Bell. Mm. And uh, basically, in that book, Daniel's really, really smart, but he's also pretty – he's not the Daniel we know of the book of Daniel. And same thing with the, the Gospel of Thomas and Mary and Peter and all these ones. It's all the same sort of and stuff. And there's some outrageous stuff in it too, outrageous claims. It, it just – when I say tone, it just does not follow along in the – it's not the tone of the Bible. You pick it up. You pick it up. Yep. And and as you say, um, now, look, well, one thing on that though, there's some New Testament one. Like there's a, there's a one um, Enoch, the Epistle of Enoch, Enoch, right, or Letter of Enoch. And people argue because there's there's a couple of sentences in there that it seems that Peter is quoting. And so some people go, well, if Peter quoted it, then it must be inspired. No, that's not how inspiration works. Inspiration works on. If you're quoting something that's true, it's true no matter who has said it. Like, for example, the Apostle Paul, he quotes a prophet or a, a prophet to the Cretes, which is a pagan nation, and he doesn't say that he's a prophet. He says one of their own prophets said this, that they're always liars and they're always gluttons. And mm-hmm. so Paul says that's true, <laughs> but he's not saying that everything that prophet said was true. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the same thing that we find when Peter's, or, or Jude, I should say, Peter and Jude both sort of lift a bit out, which looks like comes from the book of Enoch. So, so so read the Apocrypha with interest, take it with a grain of salt, but if you're looking for truth, go to the Bible. That's it. 100%. Good stuff. All right, moving on. Um, how did Moses and Elijah go to heaven before Jesus' sacrifice at Calvary was ratified slash approved? Anyone? Robbie? That's a good question. Robbie? Lloyd? Robbie? 
Um, I've seen blank faces. No, no. It's, <laughs> I, I don't think it's hard to answer, but okay. I'll have a go. Um, I, I, I think simply in expectation of the cross. Um, okay. That's how I'd look at it. Um, it wasn't just Mo- Well, it was Moses. It was Elijah. It was Enoch. We know three that went up there, and I think it was an expectation of the cross. Those three had a lot on the line if Jesus hadn't gone through with the sacrifice. Okay. They would have I had mean, to have left care. That- that's the only way it can be understood. It has to be based on the merit of what Christ will do. And how do we know that that's a, a sound argument? Well, if we go back to um, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve <clears throat> sin, and God had already said, on the day that you sin, you shall surely die. But on the day that they sin, God jumps into the story and he says, wait, we're going to sacrifice a lamb here. In the future, there will be a man that will come and he will destroy the power of Satan, and you will have eternal life. Hmm. So it's, it was still based on the hope. Um, like Abraham, he sacrifices his son. He goes, He's told to go sacrifice it. And before he does, he's saved because of the ram. It's all forecasting. So, like, by faith, they're saved before the cross because of what Christ had done. And by faith, we're saved after what Christ has done on the cross in the same way. Nice. So it's, it's, it's just, I guess, in some respects, we feel like we have more assurance because it's a done deal, whereas before it was probably... Yeah, faith and more faith. faith. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right, moving on. Will there be people saved when Jesus returns who do not keep the Sabbath? Yes. Lloyd? Yeah. Okay. I see that the churches have come out in support of the yes position on the voice. Is that the SDA position and is it yours? Robbie first. Uh, so the so I work for the official um, Seventh-day Adventist Church Administration here in Australia, and the official position that's been put out is to have a stance where we want to encourage um, the fairness of treating individuals, um, but we also have taken a position that we encourage everyone to vote according to their conscience and their conviction. So we've taken what we've taken what you call yep. a neutral stand officially as a church here in Australia. Yep. Um, but not to say that we're on one side or the other side, but we also want to, you know, we want people to be treated fairly as well. Lloyd, 30 seconds. Uh, I've got two minutes on my clock. No, for you to answer this fourth question on The Voice, then I'm moving on. Um, <laughs> I, I don't take too much notice of hunting. No, the handbrake just falls on. on um, look, I, 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 I think the church makes a, a um, good position on our church on being neutral, and I find it disingenuous, actually, when I see these other churches coming out with positions for or against this vote that don't necessarily reflect their membership at all, and I don't think yeah. they should do it. I'll be straight up with you on that. Yep. I don't think they should do it. They should not get involved in politics. And as far as what do I think personally, well, that's personal. And I don't think as a pastor I should be sharing that either because I think this is one of those things where you can have a relationship with Christ and fall on either side of the line on this mm. on this subject. And so it disappoints me whenever I see the church getting too involved in politics when it when they shouldn't be there, to be it's honest. It's not the mission. The church's, no. church's mission is not that. No, it's yeah. not. And, I, and, you know, when they come out for or against it, they're not reflecting necessarily their membership at all. You know? Or, or, and, look, it, yes, it's just not the mission of the church. Don't do it. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Okay, let's have a look at the next question. Okay, can you prove God exists? Robbie. Yes. Lloyd. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, you know one of the easiest ways I, I reckon you can prove God exists? People will fight with me on this. I'll say, well, are you addicted to anything? And I go, yep. I'll say, I'll tell you what to do. And this is a really simple one that I learned myself. Go home, get your earphones, and put on 30 minutes of hymns. And see whether the devil can come and 
come and visit you while you're listening to those hymns because it's just not possible. He can't get into an atmosphere where there's worship. You know what I'm saying, Robbie? Yeah. Very difficult for him to get in there. So how come all of a sudden, when you're in the atmosphere of God, if he doesn't exist, why all of a sudden is the devil or temptation struggling to get to you? I mean, if you want relief, go and spend some time with God in the Bible or listen to hymns, and that real God will be there and Satan can't get to you. That, to me, might be a simple, might be too simple, but that, to me, is one of the great... Um, the great witnesses to me of the existence of God. Alrighty, one last question. Well, did Robbie want to say anything Robbie. on that? Two, th- two things. One, for me, through prophecy is the evidence that God exists. Huge. But the power of the changed life yeah. is the evidence that God exists in my life. Prophecy Same is huge. Prophecy yeah. is huge. What, yeah. one, what, what you're saying, the second one, it's intimate. Um, yes. That's your relationship with God, what I was talking about. But the yep. first one is almost scholastic. It's the intellectual. It? Yeah, it's yeah. intellectual. That You can go and look at the Bible and you can look at the prophecies it made and you just go, wow, really? Thousands of years before and Really? I think we're out of time, Hunty. We pretty much are. We've got time for one more song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are we going to... What is it? Oh, I could never hey, praise him. Hey, Robbie, yep, yep. Robbie, before you go, and I've got 15 seconds. Thanks for coming today. Yes, mate. If you are available... Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> yeah, we will get you on next week. I, I want to finish this Sabbath thing off. If you're available, I, I will see how you I'll go. I'll text you later on. Uh, yeah. Um, we'll, we want to talk more about the change, because I think you've only just touched it, and it's very, very interesting. This last song, I could never praise him enough. Great song from Greater Vision. God bless you, Robbie. Hope we'll see you next Thanks, week. Thanks, guys. Mate. Yeah, bye. See you soon. I bye. I never praise him enough. For the cross of Calvary, I could never thank Him enough. For salvation full and free, I could never do anything to deserve such perfect love. Oh, for everything He's done, I could never praise Him enough. For many years, I've served the Lord the best that I know how, giving unto Him my time, telling of His power. But if I were to spend unending hours on my knees, praising Him for everything He's ever done for me, I could never praise Him enough. For the cross of Calvary, I could never thank Him enough. For salvation full and free, I could never do anything to deserve such perfect love. Oh, for everything He's done, I could never praise Him enough. Just what our Lord has done As if He hadn't done enough He sent His only Son To hang upon a rugged cross And bear the load of sin That explains why I can't express The love I have for Him I could never praise Him enough Salvation full and free
Monty as they yes, clap mate. and cheer. <laughs> yes. That's the end of this COVID edition of the Aussie Pastor Live yes, on COVID KFM. special. Yep. Yeah, COVID special, <laughs> straight out of northwest Sydney. Yep. Uh, I don't know whether people could hear me, but I was coughing and hacking away <laughs> all the way through that. Thankful to have Robbie here. Yeah, thank don't you, we enjoy Robbie. having yeah, him we on do. the show? He's such a brainiac. He's a young fella and uh, he's a student and he's always got plenty of good stuff to say. So glad for that. I'm just going to say a prayer mm-hmm. and um, ask the Lord to bless you. Father in heaven, as we close this program, we pray that those who have listened will have got a blessing, will have seen you, been challenged and drawn close to you. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie pastor, and I love you. And my name's Hunty, and I'm the tech, and I love you too. But you know what? Jesus, he loves you so much more. We'll see you guys next time. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 